You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to TVA's local watering, I mean TFM's local watering hole. I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing. And am I one of your hosts or a variant? Yes. And with me is she is in some universes, Christy Morris. Uh, that's Miss Minutes to y'all. <laughs> I love, I love, <laughs> love that it's Tara Strong doing Miss Minutes. Uh, so, of course, famous for being Harley Quinn in the Batman the Animated Series. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. just fantastic. So, well, we are going to have some fun this week because we're going to be universe hopping with Loki and the Marvel Universe. In fact, that's two weeks in a row, folks, with the Marvel Universes. We talked about Black Widow last week, and, of course, this week we uh, are discussing the entire first season here of Loki, which, spoiler alert, we found out there's going to be a second season, which... Didn't know that coming into this, so that's kind of fun. But before we get there, just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listening. You know, uh, if you love the show, subscribe to the show. Make sure you get the show as soon as you drop. Share it with your friends. One of the best ways to help the show grow is if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a star rating and review. We'll actually read that review on the show as well. So um, thank you for doing that. Uh, you can also find us online. You know, make sure you're following us on Twitter so you can keep up with everything going on with the 602 Club as well as all of the the good new nerd news that's going on. Uh, again, that's at the 602 Club. You can find us on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. We got our presence online at Trek.fm where you can find all of the shows we're doing here on the network. And of course, you can find the Babel Conference, which is the listeners-only discussion group there on Facebook, which is fun to join where you can talk to listeners from all over the world. Uh, and then if you want to send us an email, uh, you can always go email. It's trek.fm slash contact. Choose a show. Choose the 602 Club. And that comes to Christy and I. And uh, we want to say a huge thank you. We've got some associate producers here through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, Daniel Noah. I really appreciate them supporting the network and the show all of these years. And it, they make sure that each and every week this keeps coming to you. And if you like what we do, we could definitely use your help. Um, so go to Patreon dot com slash trek fm and see how you can be far part of the team every little bit helps and again that is patreon.com slash trek fm so uh chrissy you know one of the things that's just been interesting about these marvel shows and, and i'm really interested to kind of find out where were you coming into this one you know like were you excited about loki um, was this one that you're just kind of like, oh, okay, uh, you know, or were you just like really pumped for this? I was really pumped for this because I've loved Loki in the MCU films so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Tom Hiddleston absolutely now is synonymous with that character. Um, I think that the 
wardrobe that they went for still um, showed, you know, some remnants of that MCU film version Mm of Loki. Um, And so I I was really interested to see how they were going to go with this and delve more into him and maybe do like a good character study and things like that. So um, were you feeling pumped as well or were you not so sure about it? Yeah, I mean, this is something that um, I was really interested in seeing, you know, where it would go and how it would play out and and kind of what they would do with the character, you know, and I I think coming in, I was slightly apprehensive just because I feel like I think, you know, them creating these villains that then kind of slowly turn into heroes is is a little bit tiresome. And I feel like they've been trying to do that with Mm -hmm. Loki for a long time. And um, at the same time, though, Loki has the opportunity to be able to go in that direction, right? Because of everything they've been doing with it. And I was really interested, could they actually, could they pull that off? Like, could they do it well, right? Because if you're going to go that way, there's a way you can do it. And, but it's going to need some serious exploration of the character and self-reflection for the character. And I didn't know if we Mm. would get that or not, right? And so I, I guess I was kind of excited um, because of the, I mean, even just the trailers and everything for the show looked pretty crazy. Um, but then at the same time, I, I was, I had some reservations going in on like, how can they make this work and will they be able to make it work with this character? And so, sure. yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's kind of just where I was. And so, um, you know, we're going to do things a little bit differently, uh, kind of, uh, more of what we've done when we've reviewed some of the other shows out there, but we're going to kind of talk through the different episodes and I think that's going to lead us some really interesting thematic uh, conversation as well. But, you know, one of the things I was really interested in um, is the way in which, you know, episode one does, I think, a very, like it takes its time to help you figure everything out. Like it doesn't, Yes. Go too fast. And I think that's one of the things that episode one does the best. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, obviously, we're coming into each of these individual series off of a very complex and interwoven story from the films. Um, You know, the last thing that we know is that we saw Loki die in um, Endgame. And so you kind of wondered at the beginning, well, where are they going to go? Is this going to be like a flashback? Uh, you know, how are they going to handle him being dead and then trying to do a series about him? Um, so I, I do agree. I think they did a good job of explaining how they got to, to that um, and how he ends up at the TVA mm-hmm. and why. Yeah, I, I, I do think they do a great job with that. You know, obviously we go back. Um, to 2012 uh, during Endgame where, you know, he picks up the Tesseract and then he disappears. And I I think one of the things that I really appreciated was how this episode sets up this kind of omnipresent TVA mm-hmm. in a way that really makes sense um, to where you're really feeling how powerful this organization is. Like, I I think that's the thing that really struck me in this episode 
was just by, I mean, by the end of it, you know, when Loki, when Loki realizes that the Infinity Stones are meaningless to these people, that everything that we thought was super powerful in the MCU is really just like a paperweight. Mm-hmm. I thought that really set up the, like for episode one, that sets up just what we're dealing with really well, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I th- I think that he didn't even believe the power that they said they had until he saw that. Because he knew, I mean, you know, he had seen what it took, the power it took to bring all the stones together and then to wield them as one. And so to see it treated like, you know, a, a desk artwork, <laughs> he then had a, you know, a change of heart in the situation or of um, realization that things mm-hmm. weren't what they seemed. Right. Well, and I think, you know, the other thing that I felt like, it did was it did a good job of you know introducing us to the main players there at the TVA as well you know we've got Jund Renslayer mm-hmm. we've got Mobius um and you know we we also uh introduce um you know Miss Minutes I think did we miss Miss Minutes I think yes yeah, I believe we, that's yeah. when she tells yeah. about the, what the sacred timeline yes. is yes that's right um and so doing a whole season sometimes it's hard to remember every single detail oh yeah (laughs) uh, so i love all that but i also love that this episode does also begin to tackle the thing which i was kind of talking about which this is we're going to begin challenging loki and who he is and by starting with telling him what his future was going to be like this loki what his future would be um, would be, you know, to cause the death of his adopted mother, you know, like cause Ragnarok. Like he's, he, he doesn't know all of the terror that to which he's about to bring down on his universe and his life. And I think this is the place where we start on that journey of self-discovery for Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I thought this was a great setup because the Loki of this time period hasn't done all those things yet, right? And so, right. in some ways, he himself is kind of shocked as to the things to which he's going to be responsible for. And so, it it does make me wonder if it's like, well, would this journey have worked with like any other Loki, right? Like mm-hmm. that we've seen, like if if Loki had done the things he had done in Thor: The Dark World and then Thor: Ragnarok, would he have been somebody who had been able to come around to this or not? Um, because I think it's almost like we found him just at he 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 transfers the TVA at just the right time in his existence to have the opportunity to make a turn. And that's also something mm-hmm. we kind of will explore later on when we meet different versions of Loki himself. Right, as we get him more into the multiverse mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. Well, and I mean, in kind of a funny way, this is the time variance authority. So it could always be the right moment in time because mm-hmm. they chose it for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, that's a good point. Absolutely. 
Thanks. Um, but yeah, it, I think that he had to be in a place where he could be receptive somewhat to this. Um, he hadn't quite gotten to the dark place where he may not be receptive yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's sort of that, that feeling of um, when you're on your way to a particular moment in your life, you may not fully see things clearly. Yeah. And then once you see it, the big picture, you suddenly realize the path you're on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he definitely has that realization mm-hmm. in particular about his mother yeah. dying. Yeah, I think I think that's just really interesting, you know, that like you said, being on the right frame like being in the right frame of mind, you know, and being in the right place mm-hmm. to be able to accept something. And it and it does really almost feel as though, you know, Loki wasn't in a place where he could have accepted it later. Unless it was maybe at that time period where, you know, we had gotten to like Endgame. Right. When to that he's point. eventually going to yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just, I think that's fascinating. I really do. I think that's such a, a an interesting thing to be able to, to look at this character and kind of like, um, again, we're going to be dissecting this character. Uh, and I think it, it does. It makes for a really interesting discussion and and this show uh, it it's called loki and the whole point is to figure this character out finally because he's Mm -hmm. been shifting and and in fact you know i think i was reading um tom hiddleston was even talking about the idea of like you know we we obviously see the character shifting back and forth all the time um and even the text you know, of the the name of the show is is shifting back and forth all the time, right? And so this character yeah. is one who continually is doing that. And so I, yeah, I really, really love it. I think it's it's neat that we get the opportunity to to be able to kind of look at that. And so, and the, I think the last thing for for this episode that I was struck by is again, it didn't feel like it rushed anything. But then the revelation we get at the end that actually, you know, who they're after is another Loki. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, okay, that's pretty fun. Um, that that's what we're after is, uh, and, and, it, and then it kind of makes sense as to why the character of Mobius is so interested in Loki as a character because they have been, not been able to catch this person and he... And so it makes sense as, okay, so that's why we want another Loki, because they're going to be the only person who can, you know, catch this. So I I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool. Right. Like, who better to get inside the mind of the criminal than (laughs) another version of the same person? Yeah, just another version of the criminal. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I thought, you know, episode two is, is really interesting as well, because... We have this this moment where, you know, Loki is basically trying to BS his way into, you know, getting away. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, in all honesty, Mobius is not falling for it. He does, like, he, he immediately is able to make some headway, though, into a way to find the other Loki, which I thought was cool. Um, 
And I loved his thought process, which is that this Loki is hiding in all of these um, apocalyptic events because then the TVA doesn't realize there's anything wrong uh, because those events just lead to destruction. And so anything that really happens there is not going to cause a variance, um, which it's, it's just kind of genius. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the way that our, we'll just call him our Loki is able to figure this out, um, when mm-hmm. others just haven't been able to. Yeah. Well, and you deal with two really complex things, especially in this particular episode, one with time travel in general and trying to explain it and give rules to it is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen that over and over again. And so I'm glad they were able to do that and create this reason that makes logical sense um, for the character to go there. And then also you're dealing with him and Mobius and this trust or lack thereof um, of each other. You know, Mm -hmm. Loki just wants to escape, but in the meantime realizes he could possibly figure some things out better than Mobius can. And then Mobius is trying to decide whether or not he can trust what our Loki is saying at all. Yep. Well, and I like the way that you put that, like this comes down to the idea of trust and, Mm -hmm. and, and really that's, that's the crux of the issue here is, is throughout all of this is going to one of the big thematic elements will be trust will be. How can we trust somebody? And Mm -hmm. is that possible, especially when somebody has been and spent most of their lives, you know, being an absolute liar as is the character of Loki has been for his existence. Like he's, he's known as the God of mischief and he's really the God of lies. I mean, like in all honesty. So I think you really hit on something that we're going to be talking about and, and becomes a big issue then throughout this entire show. Right. Because I mean, like you said, he is the God of mischief, but he's also always been about, deception you know i mean it's about making um holographic versions of himself appear and trick people um about stirring up trouble i mean never really being someone that people could trust in any way even for the Mm -hmm. smallest thing um or you know put faith in to do the right thing i think is really cool is also the reveal that and and this is the first time we get this is this idea of like it's not just another loki that we're after it's also a female version of loki so like when we're talking mm-hmm. about all of these kind of infinite worlds and infinite possibilities of of who these characters can be like we're really going to dive into a different version of this character um and somebody who has a and and in a really cool way somebody who has a vastly different experience um than the loki that we know which i think also makes for a very fun exploration throughout the show so mhm and i mean and that too kind of makes sense where you think about if there are 
multiple different universes where there are mirror versions of Loki in the reason of like personality that then we're introducing the idea that Loki is a fluid concept mm-hmm. of like, it's the same person on the inside, but not necessarily the exact same body. Right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, um, and I think, uh, you know, the fact that she reveals herself to him and then he leaves with her makes for, uh, I mean, you're like, Oh man, this, this is, what was what was fascinating to me is like you know the I think the first episode you know seemed to be taking things uh, at a nice pace and then all of a sudden like that happens and you're like whoa like we just we went real quick real fast but it, it and and not I don't know but not in a bad way like this this mm-hmm. this I think did a great job of again kind of going at a at a good pace so we don't feel lost in the show or feel like we're missing anything. Right. Yeah, I agree and that that's kind of the point where it turns things on its head and um is a good moment to kind of bring the pace up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Since you're not trying to explain so much about our original Loki as much at the moment. Right. Yeah, no, 100%. Um so I, I think one of the, the interesting things about uh, episode three is, again, we kind of move relatively quickly through the beginning of the episode where, you know, the variant arrives at the TVA. She's going to find the timekeepers, but she's confronted by Loki. They get attacked and then they have transport away and they arrive at this moon that's about to be crushed by another planet. And as this happens, and and as they basically, this episode be kind of gives us an opportunity to slow down a little bit um, and to explore this new character, like the, who this new mm-hmm. Loki is, because it's going to be... Just as much as we're going to explore the character of the Loki we know, it's going to be very important to explore this new version of Loki because they're going to be pivotal, really, to the rest of, you know, this season. Um, And so I I thought, again, the episode... Episode does a great job, I think, of, like, you know, building... um, perfectly like i I, that's it was uh, to me like with these shows it's so important to not feel like we're going too fast um and so far this this season does a really good job of doing that and and not feeling like that's happening yeah i i think that they go back and forth like you were saying with parts that we need to move through quickly it does feel like that um and then they've they've taken some time to really focus on the themes that they feel are the most important. Um, I thought this episode was definitely interesting that they they do have this more focus on just the two of them mm-hmm. rather than so much with the TVA. Um, you know, it it quickly goes to them being on Lamentis, um, which I did think was beautifully done with the set design Mm -hmm. 
and also the the feeling of um, urgency that it gives you as they're having to run to find somewhere to hide from the destruction to charge the tempad and then later trying to get aboard the ark and everything um, and even the way that the episode ends um, leaving on a cliffhanger of whether or not they're going to be able to get out again um, I really liked um, it it felt a little inconsistent having the original Loki causing a drunken ruckus on the train just because it had been so serious up to that point. Mm-hmm. But then thinking about him as a character that we know, it, that's definitely things that you could see him doing. So I'm like, well, eh, I can forgive that. Yeah. And, and it, what's, it is, I, I think you do kind of raise a valid point there with the whole idea of him kind of raising the ruckus because, like, they're trying, they're supposed to be trying to keep a low profile. And mm-hmm. it did seem a little bit strange. And, and at the same time, it also seems pretty low-key to think that, you know, it's not going to matter, um, that he can kind of just get away with it. Because that, that's very low-key, um, is, is to, right. to, to act like that. Um, but I, I do think that that is a good point. Um, and in one of those, I I would say we've talked about this before, but that does kind of create where it's like, no, they need a plot device to get them, them off the train and in a place where, um, you know, they're, they're not going to make the arc, um, which, you know, uh, it's not the best that I feel like they could come up with, but it works enough. So mm-hmm. no, I, I think it's actually, yeah, it's just a, it is a good point. And I, I think, you know, I want to ask you because obviously here we also really, st- we're not just digging into Sylvie, um, but we also really start to dig into what the TVA is. And she reveals, um, you know, in this episode that the TVA, they're not people who were created by these timekeepers. They're actually variants who've been plucked out of existence and are being used by the TVA. Like they're, they're, they're variants just like Loki and Sylvie are, mm-hmm. which I thought that was a really cool reveal, especially, you know, when I, I look, I have no idea about the comics, as I've mentioned before, with, I haven't read a ton of Marvel comics. And so to like learn that, I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's really neat. Yeah. And I mean, as far as uh, Loki, I have not read the comics on him at all. Um, I mainly know him from the films, but I do think that this was a really cool reveal like you did. I think that it, it absolutely makes you think differently about the situation when you have that reveal um and about it loki thinking that you know he could trust what mobius told him right because he believed what he was told that the the um timekeepers created the tva and all of the people that work there as well not that they mm. would ever have this sinister plan behind the whole thing of plucking people out of their timelines and, you know, controlling them, not even brainwashing them. But like she was saying, people still were aware of what was going on, just couldn't mm. remember their past. Well, so, and yeah, it, that was cool. It creates, I think, 
this kind of neat thing uh, for the show where, because, you know, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, we're, we're talking about trust. And so the idea of, like you said, you know, Loki ends up in this place where he, he doesn't know if he can, you know, trust Mobius now because there's this this lie. And it, again, this whole series is kind of about like who can we trust, you know, and, and figuring out like what is trustworthy, which I think is, is really interesting. Um, and well, and like, and how do you know? How can yes, you tell if someone yeah. is going to be? Yeah. 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 No, 100%. So I, I think all of that makes for, you know, it, just a really interesting discussion about those type of things. And so, uh, no, I'm glad, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where as you're watching the show and you're talking about the show, you kind of run into these different themes that keep coming across, um, you know, and so, yeah, I, I love it. And, you know, this they end up missing the arc. Um, and so they really don't have anything else to do. And they end up having, uh, this, this discussion, on uh, in episode four, as they're just kind of sitting by this lake and it, it creates this moment between them. And I, I wanted to ask you just kind of like, how did you first take this moment as you were watching? Did, did it seem like strange to you that, that these two characters would be able to, have this moment or did it just like oh no that that's definitely that's a Loki thing to do it it seemed both like something that was very likely for the original Loki to do but also felt incestuous to me (laughs) Um, I can understand that yeah because I mean like I I 100% agreed with Mobius's take on it of like the height of narcissism to Mm -hmm. fall in love with yourself from another universe. Really? (laughs) So in that way, like I found it funny, but it, it turning it to romance to me made it feel creepy. I think they could have had a genuine moment still and not made it Mm -hmm. eventually where they, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. And I can a hundred percent, I a hundred percent see what you're saying because I, I think even myself, I kind of took it that way at the beginning mm. uh, because I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but then I also thought about it. It actually is. And, and I don't know if if this you know, like speaks to you, but it's not all that different than Miles Morales in Into the Spider-Verse falling for Gwen. They're the same person just from a different universe. Really? Like they're they're kind of the same. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's just a it's a multiverse version. So it I when I thought of it that way, it didn't seem as weird. I don't does that does mm-hmm. that make any sense at all? It makes sense, but I I don't know. To me they're still different people okay. in that story. Okay. Whereas this is like the same personality Mm -hmm. just in different bodies. Sure. sure. No, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But you know, they also say you should love yourself. So I I guess he really does love himself. They're taking that real seriously. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> very seriously. Uh, so I just couldn't shake it being weird. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it, and I, I, I couldn't disagree with you. Like, I really can't. I think, I think you're absolutely yeah. right that it is a little bit strange, and but I think that's also par for the course for Loki, and that's one of the things that kind of like works about it is like okay well yeah that if if it's gonna be weird for anybody uh you know loki is definitely the character this is gonna be weird for so um well and and thinking about whoever could loki fall in love with or who would fall in love with loki you know yeah that makes sense yeah no, I, 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 it was just definitely a question that I had for you because I, I did, I, I'm, I did have that moment where I was like, mm, does this work? You know, <laughs> uh, and then I, I put it into those, I, I put it into that thought process, and I was like, okay, it's a little less weird when I think of like, legitimately, this character is a multiverse version, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And they, in all honesty, and what we do know from from the series, like too, you know, when we think about it, it's like they're no, they're not the same person, you know, at all. Um, they're very different people, um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's something that helped me kind of come to uh, terms with that idea. But no, I I think. Uh, I can get why you struggled with it too. So, cause it was kind of strange. Yeah. Um, and, and what did you think about the fact that, you know, when they're captured, what did you think about the time loop that they put Loki in? I thought that was one of the coolest things they did this whole season. Because if you think about what your definition of, hell would be like <laughs> having to repeat the same awful moment over and over and over again forever i mean gosh to be left in that it, i'm sure especially um you know you as a guy watching that him continually getting kicked in the nuts <laughs> that'd be awful so I, yeah i thought that was both a brilliant idea and you feel so bad for him <laughs> yeah well and and I thought that, to me, the thing that it really did really well was that it, it gave Loki that time to come to terms with himself, like, over and over again. Like, he's he's literally stuck in a moment, and he can't get out, right? Like that, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the U2 song says, and... He, I think the beauty of it is that it really does make him have to come to grips with with like who he is, um, and I I think that's a, you know, the whole show is about bringing Loki, uh, face to face with himself over and over again, and and mm-hmm. so, can this someone this narcissistic actually? learn to care for anyone else and so Mm -hmm. by him being confronted with a a moment from his past over and over again it really gives him the opportunity to kind of have a mirror put up for himself not only 
here in this moment, but Sylvie is that mirror as well as he's trying to figure that out. And I think it's just really good. Like, uh, it works really well. So, And he has to explain really to himself why he did what he did to make Sif mad at him um, and then continue to boil down to what the point of the situation was and yep. what, you know, the learning experience was. Yep. And that, Yes, yes. And and it's that over and over again, like constant. There's no, you know, he can't run from it. He can't hide from it. He can't really make jokes from it anymore. He has to come to grips with who he is as a person. And 100%, yeah. I think it really works there. Um, and I also, um, you know, this this episode is so fascinating because it's also where a lot of like revelations come down, not just about the character of Loki. Um, but this is where we learn that what we were told by Sylvie is actually true about the TVA. It's where Mobius learns that. So we, we learn that he was not a part of knowing this about the TVA um, he hadn't been mm-hmm. hiding this from Loki. In fact, it's just something he didn't know either. Uh, and um, and this is where everything kind of like, uh, you know, it starts to fall apart. And and not only like really fall apart, but I also think, um, you know, I this is where they confront the the Time Masters, and we learn that oh, they're not really anything. They're just androids. Uh, and of right. course we're on, and then we're of course left with the massive cliffhanger that, uh, Loki is quote unquote pruned. So, I mean, this is a huge, huge episode. Um, and I, I mean, oh, yeah. this was the one where I think everybody is just kind of like your jaw does kind of hit the floor a little bit with, you know, what happens. I, I think they did a really good this episode, I think they did a great job with, um, uh, especially, uh, again, I think the pacing is all great here in this episode um, and in what they're doing. Um, and I was just really impressed what, with the way in which, you know, we kind of continue to bring and make these reveals happen. I, I thought they did another fantastic job with it. So you're right, though it, it was a lot crammed crammed into one episode on this one, but still made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the the way that they did a little reveal at a time, leading up to then it being the timekeepers are actually not real, mm-hmm. was great, um, and definitely you know leaves everyone confused with the show being called Loki and suddenly seeing the original Loki being pruned and thinking that that means he's dead again. Yep. Um, was a good way to leave it. Um, and it, you know, I, I will say the only thing that kind of frustrated me about it was that for me, the show was supposed to be more on the Loki that we knew from the films. Mm -hmm. And so at this point I was a little frustrated feeling like, so is this now Sylvie's story? Mm -hmm. Cause that's not fair. (laughs) Why do I care about her? (laughs) 
So yeah. I don't know. No, I can I could totally see that point, and I think it is one of those things where, and this is you know as much as Marvel kind of like I think leans on the crutch of the mid credit sequence a little bit too mm-hmm. much. I think this is one where obviously it really helps because I mean the show's called Loki. Yeah. You know, you know they're not going to kill him as is you know seemingly huge as it is to quote unquote prune him. Then we get the moment where oh no, he's not dead. He's just in another place. Uh and that other place is a place that is full of Loki's. Uh, and now I think, uh, and in many ways we're just left at uh, what it, what this mid credit sequence does so perfectly is it just raises so many more questions. You're like, what in the heck is going on? And I think that's the part of it that was like, to me, like I thought this is really well done. And again, I, because this is not going to continue to be the case, but this is a place where I do feel like uh, the show, again, was utilizing time well. Like, I feel like so far, the show has done a very good job of, of of making you feel like you have enough time to get all the story in. You have enough time to spend with the characters. You're not rushing anything. Um, you're And you've given me just enough. Um, and, you know, that's a criticism that uh, is about to come up, though. Because I feel like mm-hmm. the last two episodes are completely different on that. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that the mid credit sequence you needed here because it gives you a little bit of that relief. Even though you know logically, okay, the show's called Loki. They can't kill Loki, the original. Um, but you still are a little concerned. Yeah. Um, and uh and well, then, it is a shocking mm, moment. I mean, you're just not yeah, you're not necessarily expecting it. And I think that's a good yeah. thing though, too. Like to me, that's also another great place where like good TV writing and everything, yeah, you know, do something really shocking in that way. Make it make it kind of insane, you know? Like mm-hmm. make me wonder what's going to happen. You know, I think that that yeah. that's the cool part is that, you know, if you do a show right, you can do that. And then also the other thing that, uh, of course, since I didn't know about the comic version of Loki, my husband had to tell me um, that the reveal was a great nod to the comics because kid Loki is in the comics. Mm. Um, I don't know about the alligator (laughs) version, Um, (laughs) but um, apparently also the um, Richard E. Grant version of the, um, you know, older, more seasoned Loki was a nod to the classic Loki yes. costume, um, which was nice. And I love Richard E. Grant anyway. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, he is pretty phenomenal uh, as as we get into uh, the, the fifth episode. Um, it, it, a great yeah. addition, I think. Um, you know, I, I think that was one of the things, you know, episode five is the place though where i feel like i feel like the show slows down a lot and a little bit too much this 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 mm-hmm. this did feel like an episode in which we could have sped things up a little bit um and yeah i just i did i really did uh, 
I, I mean, it's not like I hated the episode or anything, but, you know, a lot of the reveals that kind of happened in this episode, I kind of felt like we could have just done more quickly or something. And it, I feel like it would have been a little bit better for it if we hadn't spent so much time kind of reveling in almost all of these. Di- it felt like they loved the idea of all the Lokis and then couldn't yeah. let the love of all the Lokis go. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. what. How did you feel? I think that the amount of time spent just of dialogue among all the Lokis and then the bar fight among all the Lokis was just too long. Because I did enjoy seeing all these different versions and them all being in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely thought that the alligator was hilarious. And I love all of the jokes that have come out of that with like croc shoes wearing a crown. Um, but yeah, it, it felt self-indulgent. And uh, not um, helpful to the story movement at all just Mm -hmm. like i said just self-indulgent to be self-indulgent um you could have shown them had a brief explanation and then shown sylvie showing up Mm -hmm. um although i do think that the um loki that shows up that's another version of tom hiddleston but in a different outfit was cool yeah yeah i like president loki yeah that was pretty fun yeah um Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a very nice suit. He did have a very nice suit. No, I I <laughs> I agree with that. Um, this is one of those places where I felt like the show all of a sudden did kind of slow to a crawl, which was kind of weird. Um, and and we spent a lot of time here, and then there, you know, there aren't a ton of like major revelations. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and because, yeah, and and then again, we get to episode six and, you know, everything, basically episode five is just a lot of setup so we can get to episode six and then like do the thing. But there were two big things about five that I did like. And one was that you find out that although previously Mobius was also pruned, that he's still alive. Yes, that's true. Yes. And then also that um, the Richard E. Grant older Loki gets his moment to scream glorious purpose and try to control Eliath. And that was brilliant. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I, that whole yeah. moment was really neat. I think it was really well done. Um, I, I think that was something that I was pretty impressed by. Um, I... I wouldn't say that I felt like the uh, special effects were amazing in that scene, but I think they no. were effective. Yeah, like of him trying to create a deceptive version of Asgard for yes, it to yes. attack. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that all that was cool. And, you know, I what, let me give him a little bit of credit. I do think one of the things that, that helps in uh, uh, this show like that is we're dealing with all of these super crazy ultra ridiculous things in the first place. And I think it really, uh, it, it really helps that everything is so kind of over the top. Uh, and so one of the, the best parts about the show is that we have this opportunity to do these big crazy things. And it's not, 
it's not all that weird, you know, like. Um, right. Because it's a comic book universe. Right. You accept that it's going to be zany. Yeah. And it's going to look crazy. Yeah. And it may not look the best. <laughs> right. Right. Like not everything, not everything is going to look uh, perfect. Um, so and not everything needs to look perfect, which is good. So, but no, mm-hmm. I, I think this worked pretty well. Um, so I, I, I definitely think it, it was a, it was a good episode. It wasn't great. I did feel like they could have just, you know, gone slightly more quickly. Um, and that would have helped, but you know, all in all, I, I didn't, I enjoyed it enough. And the, I think the biggest thing though, is when we get to episode six, there isn't a ton of action in the episode. There's a lot of talking and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a terrible thing to have a show that has a lot of talking. Like I'm, I'm not against that or anything, but it did feel like there was just a lot of the episode is just kind of like comic book reveal time. Uh, and that kind of, it wasn't as much, I don't know, just there was something missing in that to me. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I felt like if you're going to have a lot of talking, it needs to get to the point and, you know, get to why we're doing all of this. And I felt like it was a lot of talking just for show. Um, And I don't know how much of that was writing and how much of that was um, Jonathan Major's performance but i didn't like it it just felt like it was very um loud and performancey rather than having a valid point and getting to it mm-hmm. if that makes sense did you feel the same way um you mean about his performance or you mean other than that yeah, it felt like that scene with them meeting He Who Remains went on way too long and not necessarily for a good reason. I didn't feel like I got a lot of clear information out of it. Oh, right. Um, No, I didn't agree with that part. I mean, because I didn't have a problem with the dialogue that we were getting or what we were talking about specifically. Um, I just mm-hmm. felt like there was just a lot of dialogue. And, and I, you know, yeah. not that it's terrible that we would have... The problem is, is that I think that you left to the very end of the show, obviously, all of this, all this major reveal, right? Like um, mm-hmm. this, this major thing has been building and we only have this one moment to be able to answer all of these questions. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit frustrating that we uh, that we have to spend so much of the episode explaining it's like a massive comic book page of text like where all of the all of the stuff finally comes out and like it's not terrible Mm -hmm. um it's just a lot and so i kind of wish that we hadn't had to wait so long to get all of this massive explanation of what all of this is now as per the explanation and what it is, I I mean, this to me was the most fascinating. It was the most fascinating part of the show. Like what we're discussing is, I mean, we're asking questions about free will and predestination, 
in a comic book show, which is a really mm-hmm. crazy, cool, massive discussion, you know, and, and the fact that we're having it here at the show, I felt like it was the best part of the show to me because mm-hmm. we're asking such a big, big question to which has a lot to do with, you know, what we believe in real life about things. That was kind of neat to me. I'm glad that you felt that way. I I didn't get the same feeling from it um, just because it felt too little too late. Um, it, you know, like you were saying, it's a lot of stuff explained in the final episode of a series. Now, we know we're getting a season two, thankfully, but it felt to me that they could have done some introduction of this part earlier in some other episodes to then make this easier to get to in the final episode and not have so much talking. And then also I feel like you, you kind of get yourself on a slippery slope of having Loki realizing originally that the TVA is behind everything and then them realizing together that the TVA is a lie in itself and that it's made up of variants that were pulled from their own timelines. And then now you've got them facing another person above that, like another video game boss uh, that created the TVA. And it just feels a little inception-y to me. Um, And maybe that's how it was originally written in the comics and they can't help that. I'm not sure. But um, I know that at least the the whole um, He Who Remains piece was part of the comics because I've heard about that. Um, So that part kind of bothered me, but then also it just felt like the focus wasn't as much on this being a story about those themes as it was a focus on Loki and Sylvie and really more on Sylvie um, and that they briefly mention free will um, and predestination and, And I think that you kind of cheapen whether or not that moment is true of, um, you know, this guy, he who remains being the one that controlled everything because they make him unable to be trusted in the first place. So then it constantly feels like that back and forth of like, well, how do we know we can trust you? Well, how do I know I can trust you? Well, you know, that you can't, you know, it. So I, I didn't even know if I believed that what he who remains was saying was true at all. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it was just a lot going on. Yeah. No, I, I can totally understand that. And I think I think one of the things that you're you're mentioning is is kind of why i liked it and and uh, let me be honest it took me a while to get to the place where i liked it because i didn't like it at first i thought that Mm -hmm. it was too much and i i didn't quite I, i didn't quite feel like we had earned it i guess but yeah. I, as I've sat with it, I actually really enjoyed, because, and I watched the finale again. It was the only episode I got a chance to rewatch. And I thought, they have some, 
and maybe maybe you're right maybe they they don't do it well enough but i felt like they were diving into some really big and interesting ideas that um, no marvel show has has even like attempted i feel like to kind of discuss um and and so the idea of like predestination and and free will was crazy that we're discussing that in in a marvel show and then and then the thought process of of do the ends justify the means right that's kind mm-hmm. of a question that we're getting in this this show as well like because this guy at the end of time is not all wrong which is mm-hmm. interesting and and actually you know maybe the only thing that can save you may he may be right like it, it this may be the only way to save everything um and i think that's really interesting as a question yeah, I don't know. It, it there I, I, part of it the and having the this struggle of like how to even talk about it is just because it's so big. Um yeah. it's such a big question. So, yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, I get I do get it not working as well for you. Um and I can't fault you for that because I do feel like and this is this was this is the reason I think I have that criticism is that it does feel like the final episode or the, the f- you know, that fifth episode, we spend so much time, you know, just kind of milling about in many ways in this void. And mm-hmm. then the final episode is tasked with really trying to lay down and explain all of these things in such a major way that, Maybe, maybe what we needed is some way to stream down episode five and six and just put them together, or you just needed episode six and uh, more time to sit with everything. Mm-hmm. Well, or I mean, I think that you mentioned it earlier, and I was agreeing with you. We could introduce some points that are going to come up later in earlier episodes. Yeah without giving it away and still having a good reveal, but not having so much content to then dump on everybody and have all these other things mixed in with it. I think it was just a lot. Um, yeah. And then too, I just had a problem with the kiss. I felt like it was not the right moment. I felt like it was not authentic and like it was just, people in the writer's room saying, and we have to make them kiss, even if it's not the mm-hmm. right moment. And then too, it kind of in a sad way of like with Sylvie's character. Um, I think that if you're someone who's rooting for Sylvie, that then her accomplishing her goal, but realizing that it's not going to make her feel any better proves uh, the original Loki's point that you don't need to kill him. Yeah. You know, so it, it just, there were a lot of things about it that I rubbed me the wrong way and that I would have written differently. Yeah. I, I can absolutely 100% see that. And I think you have, I I don't think I can fault you for feeling that way at all. 
Um, I do think that it there are places where it could have just been. Again, I, I do feel like it's it seems to be like I felt like the series had done such a good job time wise up to this point, and then all of a sudden we just we kind of just warp speed in that last episode to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, wow, we're we're already here. Oh, and all this stuff's happening and we're getting thrown all of these ideas and, and oh, you better accept all these, you know, like you have so much to kind of like take in and accept and it gets a little bit crazy, you know, and it gets a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I 100% agree with that. And what I wanted to ask you, though, um, with this sixth episode is... How did you feel about this? I mean, because you mentioned you felt like maybe it was a little bit too much to have this idea that there being somebody else, but this opens up a massive can of worms for the the MCU in the sense that this is the can of the multiverse that we finally opened now, and now it's here, and it exists mm-hmm. permanently. Like, and Loki is the cause, you know? Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about the multiverse being a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Are you excited about it? Were you ready for it? it uh, I mean, do you feel like this is a good way to kind of give us that? I think that the introducing of it could have been done a lot better because it. I, I didn't realize that that was what was happening. That, to me, is bad storytelling. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just going, so wait, who is this guy? And why do I care? And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, like, we've been so conditioned from the films to kind of be aware of who the big players are. Like, I knew that Thanos was eventually coming and what that meant mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of who Thanos was in a general sense before he got there. Right. But with this... I'm just told it's this guy, he who remains. And I'm like, okay, who is that? Why do I care? What does he do? And then they have the explanation that he's created the TVA and he is at the end of time. And, you know, he's Mm -hmm. controlling the timeline and that there are these other universes, but it still kind of feels, I hate using the word over and over again, but unearned and, it doesn't make me feel invested in the next piece of the journey. Mm. So it's like a, I, I left feeling on a down note rather than excited for what the next step is going to be. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way at all? I just felt like not enough explanation was given for somebody who already doesn't really, you know, know much about that piece of the comics yeah i think it's a it is a really good question um and and so this is like you know me as coming from somebody who doesn't know the comics at all uh and um i think for me i had to i had to sit with this for a while honestly Mm -hmm. I I had to come to grips with like what they were trying to do and realize okay so the, yeah we're introducing the multiverse um and that's what this whole thing is about because I felt the same way you did when I first watched the episode like I was like wait mm-hmm. what like that's it 
That's that's legitimately yeah. what I said. I was like, huh? Like, and then it just ended. <laughs> yeah. Um. And as I sat with it, I really began to kind of piece together everything and I began to think about it more and it became more interesting. And I think the most interesting thing was, was all of the questions that it had raised about like, could this benevolent dictator be better than what was coming? Like I, I just was sitting with all those questions. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I'm, I don't love the fact that we got there so quickly but I do love the fact that we asked a ton of really great questions and that I now am interested to see where season two will go. I think where my reticence comes in with that whole question of like introducing the multiverse and everything is to know that well, a part of the answer isn't just going to come in Loki season two. It's going to be coming in like Doctor Strange's next movie mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not as excited with the opportunity to explore this in a with a different character, right? Like I'm I'm interested in exploring this with Loki still, right? And I think part of this is me feeling like I'm a little. I don't want to just jump into like I'm having to watch all of these things and connect them all together and I can't get a whole story anymore from even a show, right? You know, mm-hmm. the best part about Falcon and Winter Soldier was that it told us one story. You know, yeah. how Falcon becomes Captain America and how the Winter Soldier, you know, finds his way actually to not be the Winter Soldier anymore. Yeah. And it told the whole story. You know, here it's like I the only story to which I want to ask you the next question about is is do you feel like that they did a good job with Loki and bringing him to the place where he's he seems to have changed. Do you buy the change? No. Um, and honestly, it's because I feel like for one, that it's not the Loki I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I wanted to see, um, a better explanation of how he got to where he's supposed to be at the end of this show. Um, and that it seems like not that he changed for the better, but that he became, less of himself in not in a good way. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, I don't feel like he's a better person. I feel like he's now just a more, um, sad person. (laughs) Fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. I, I just, you know, because I felt like it, it became, um, that whole scene of him saying to Sylvie, I just want you to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but what do you want? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it's your story. What? Yeah. What was the ultimate goal for the original Loki? Now it's just 
I put myself aside and I want to know that you're okay. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but why? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it see, just felt cheap. It's really interesting that you feel that way because to me, I, I love it. I really thought mm-hmm. that it worked for me. The fact that the fact that Loki would get to the place where he would ask a question about somebody else and he would want somebody else to be okay over himself is the point to me. Like, Mm-hmm. That if we're going to redeem Loki, if we're going to make him more of a hero character, you know, uh, we're going to give him some redemption. The way he has to be able to do that is to be able to think less about himself and more about others. So mm-hmm. at that last episode, he's thinking about the universe. He's thinking about Sylvie. He's thinking about um, even if I don't want this throne, maybe it is better than what could come and what could happen and for the first time in his life, he doesn't want power and control. He seemed to truly be thinking about the betterment of everybody else other than himself. And to me, that's why it worked. That's the thing mm-hmm. I really responded to with uh, the end of the series is that I didn't, I personally didn't believe that you could get Loki to this point. But I felt like that mm-hmm. they had systematically had him come to he he had looked at the Loki in the mirror <laughs> over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And what he had come up with, which he did not like himself. He did mm-hmm. not like who he was. And he was able to find a way to make a change. And that change was to stop putting Loki first and to put others first. Um, but then if they're the same person, isn't he still putting Loki first? <laughs> well, and that's the thing that that I think where I come at it from different perspective in the sense that I don't think they're the same person because their experiences are completely different and have made them different people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, if it, it's that whole like, if I went back in time and changed part of my life, what would change, you know, like, and, and how would I be completely different because I didn't have say this massive experience that I've had. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they are completely different people and therefore he isn't putting himself first and, and putting her first. He is putting her first because she's not, Mm -hmm. she's not him. You know, they are completely different people. Their experiences make them completely different people. They have similarities, much the same mm-hmm. way twins have similarities, right? But they're also mm-hmm. completely different too. So to me, that's what made it work. And, and that's why I think I ended up really um, liking it and buying it. Um, I just feel like that last episode, there's so much talk and it's so important for what's going to happen in the Marvel Universe that it seems to go by so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. That I wish, like we said, there had been maybe some more hints throughout the seer, the the whole season to be able to kind of plant some of those ideas in our head in a way. And maybe if I watched it again, yeah. they're there and I just hadn't picked them up because I didn't know what to look for. But mm-hmm. if that's the case, then yeah, I think I'm I'm right in, in giving it a little bit of criticism there. So um, I don't know if any of that helps you at all, um, but that's just where I came down to it. And I'll say this. Whereas with Black Widow, the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. With Loki, mm-hmm. the more I thought about it, the more I've sat with it, the more I've enjoyed it. 
And so well, that's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, that's a good thing. And part of that, again, came down to um, the fact that I had some big things to think about because it was asking big questions. It had big ideas mm-hmm. that much of the Marvel Universe doesn't seem to really want to touch unless it's like Civil War. And so I was just kind of glad that we were in a Marvel show that really wasn't afraid to like maybe free will and predestination aren't that bad of a things to be talking about. Maybe maybe predestination isn't too bad when somebody's actually trying to do it for good, you know, and like uh, mm-hmm. and he's not even a he's kind of like this benevolent dictator. But is that necessarily a bad thing with what can come? And like all of those were great questions. And now we're going to have to deal with the ramifications of that. And so. And of course, um, he's going to show up again in uh, this this character uh, as Kang the Conqueror, one of the versions of He Who Remains in Quantumania, the next Ant-Man and uh, Wasp movie. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to be playing with this in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, all of these things have been working together. Um I do just kind of wish still there was more of a complete story. Um, Mm -hmm. But at least I felt like I got that with Loki. So obviously we've gone a long time, you know, talking about a whole episode (laughs) of uh, a whole six episodes of television takes more time, but I'm really interested though, you know, to see where you kind of come down then with the show and your ratings. And then I think it would be kind of fun um, if we also gave our rankings of the first three to see where they fall as well. So um, yeah, where do you fall down with Loki? Sure. So uh, um, yeah, I do think that we raised a lot of good points and, you know, you can look at it from two completely different sides and still find some middle ground on it. Um, I think that ultimately I come down to, um, a three out of five um, alligator Lokis um, mm-hmm. because I did enjoy some things about it. But um, for me about halfway through was when it started to fall apart. Um, but I could see how you would still get a lot out mm-hmm. of it, you know, from what you were saying. Um, but I, for one, I think that in general, it um, has this weakness, like you were saying a little of, not being a an easily accessible story. Mm-hmm. It's not contained in this one show. You have to watch all of the other shows and the movies to get what's going on and still may not get what's going on. Um, so I think that kind of is a, a weakness of it as well. But um, mainly I think that they could have written it better about the original Loki that we start with. Um, I think it goes a little too far off on other tangents from him um, for what I wanted. And then I just felt like the, the um, discomfort I had with him and Sylvie becoming a romantic item. Sure. Just continued for me till the end. um, And that the kiss wasn't really appropriate for the time that they threw it in. Um, And then, you know, like you said as well, they they threw a lot of information Mm -hmm. into the final episode and then it just ended. It took some digesting before you were okay with it. Um, And I still am just kind of at that place where I'm like, am I excited about a season two? Am I excited about more Marvel shows? Not really. And that sucks. 
But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, not everybody felt that way. And I'm glad, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to be pumped for more. So I, you know, I'm hoping that it gets better. But yeah, I, I come to a three out of five. I think where you are um, and your critiques are, uh, I mean, 100% valid. And, and in many ways, you know, I found myself, like, again, having some of those when it first ended. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can't fault you at all. Um, and I think for myself, because ha- I know you just got a chance to finish the season, like, this week like i think it was today yeah so i know you haven't had any time to sit with the show at all so i'll be interested to see if that changes anything or if it doesn't or um but for me it did it did change and it did get better and i'd say even talking about it today i i would you can only do half stars on letterbox, but I would give this 3.75 out of five. I can't give it four stars. Um, it can't ever go higher than that. I don't think because of what we talked about, but mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where they go. Um, I am slightly Disappointed, though, that so much of this is going to be playing out in different areas of the Marvel Universe, and we're not just going to leave what's happening here for the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, um, I 3.75 out of 5. So, if you had to rank all three so far with WandaVision oh, yeah. and Falcon, Winter Soldier, and then Loki, what do you think you'd do? I would do Falcon and Winter Soldier at number one, WandaVision at two, and Loki at three. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Loki at number one, Falcon Winter Soldier at number two, and WandaVision at three. So, uh-huh. yeah. Um, I just, WandaVision and I did not get along. So, uh, yeah. Well, we've reached that time of the show where. Uh, we do some recommendations. So I'm interested to see what you might want to recommend to everybody this week. Yeah. So um, I actually lately have been getting into more YouTube stuff. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's just as much now as uh, valid mm-hmm. of a streaming platform as oh, Netflix, yeah. Hulu, all the other stuff. I mean, if, especially if you get like YouTube TV or um, what they started with YouTube Red. Um I mean, heck, that's how we originally saw the new Cobra Kai show. Yeah, it's true. Um, but I, um, I've discovered some um, individuals that have really great channels. And, um, you know, a lot of times I can get annoyed with people that I feel like are not being sincere with their content mm-hmm. on YouTube, where it's just following trends rather than being who they are. Um, but that's not the case for this person. So I wanted to share. Um, I really love um, this creator named Angie Belmar. Um, and that's B-E-L-L-E-M-A-R-E. Um, she and her husband, Andre, are um, in Canada, but um, actually started because she was getting sick a lot and ended up in the hospital, um, focusing more on their health. And realizing that, you know, if all you do is party and eat fried food, that your body feels like crap the older you get, especially. (laughs) 
and just completely changed their lives because they were like, we don't want to feel like this anymore. That's awesome. So, yeah. And so now all of her content is about um, their journey together as a couple with that. Um, and then also about um, starting a business as um, coaches for health and fitness. Um, and then I've actually decided to um, use her as a coach myself. So, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to share that because she's very genuine. Um, none of it is a gimmick and none of it's about trying to sell you something. That's great. She's just being who she is and being happy. And I, that really resonated with me. That's really cool. No, I think that's, like you said, that's really important. You know, and, and anybody these days, it is so easy to tell when people are just fake, you know, with stuff. Yeah. And, and, and authenticity does matter. And so, yeah, I, that's really neat. And I'm, I think it's really cool that, like you said, it helped you want to be more healthy yourself. Like, I think that's awesome mm -hmm. that that was the case. So, Thanks. I mean, I can't think of a better thing for a creator um, than to be able to say, oh, yeah, I, I helped somebody who actually want to make their life better. I think that's amazing. So yeah, that speaks really highly of that person and that works. So, um, so the other day my wife and I watched a movie on Netflix and it had just come out. Uh, it's called gunpowder milkshake. Uh, and it stars, uh, the one and only Karen Gillan, who I love. Uh, and of course, mm. uh, also has Lena Headley from uh, Game of Thrones, uh, played Cersei. And so cool. Uh, it's basically the setup in the elevator pitch is it's John Wick with women. And, mm. I, you know, it's ridiculously violent, of course, like the John Wick movies are. Um, but I, I had fun with it. We, my, both my wife and I had fun with it. And so if you're just looking for kind of a, a shoot 'em up type movie, uh, with some, with a great cast that actually kind of left me excited to see if, you know, if, what if they did a sequel, what would that be like? Um, hmm. I'd be interested in seeing that. So yeah, I really enjoyed Gunpowder Milkshake. So I'm going to highly recommend that, but, uh, Chrissy, if people want to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And of course, in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And then when I'm not here in the 602 Club, um, I am on my show called Sabres and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa talking about some more niche geek stuff that we don't usually get to talk about. Um, we've been on a little bit of a break because Amanda is getting married in 20 days. <laughs> um, but I hope to be back soon and talk about, uh, some Loki stuff maybe over there or, um, get into, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll make Amanda watch Misfits with me <laughs> and talk about that. So yeah, we'll see. But Sabres and Spells everywhere on social media as well. Of course, uh, you can find me all over social media, Matt Rushing Zero Two. Uh, you could find me uh, here doing literary treks, as well as the Orb uh, with Chris Jones. Uh, literary treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek and the Orb, but Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Of course, uh, Snyder Cuts. We'll have a new episode of that coming out soon. As John and I talk about the making of book for Army of the Dead, so check that out here in this feed with the Six Hundred Two Club. 
and over on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. Uh, one is finished. It's called Outpost. Did that with Drea Kaufman as we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series. And then you could find me with aggressive negotiations with John Mills as each and every week we're just diving into something fun with Star Wars because it's a Star Wars show. Otherwise, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Thank you.